0: No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filippone. Thanks for hanging out with First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filippone. Subscribe, rate, review. Let's keep the uh, momentum going from a very strong uh, finish to the playoffs for this podcast. So we appreciate all of you for listening, Pony
1: happy off season. How are you? Not bad. Uh, Amanda's out of town. So uh, I am here. Uh, The baby monitor on the dogs are behind me. I'm one man banding. Do you regress right now?
0: Do you regress when your wife's out of town? Like, do you become more degenerate? Do you become dirtier? Do you become less healthy? Like, do you drink more? Do you backslide in any way when she leaves?
1: I do actually. Yeah, me too. And and so what I end up doing is I go down huge rabbit holes as far as like either shows I want to watch or things I want to listen to. And once the baby goes to bed, like if I wasn't doing this show with you right now, I would have absolutely frittered away like four hours of my life on my couch, watching things, like not and in any way constructive. In any way, shape, or form. You know, I'm not well, learning when anything. When she's
0: here, do you guys not just watch things on the couch together that are not at know, constructive?
1: Well, but at least, okay, so I get like a sense of accomplishment when I finish a show. Yeah. Or when I progress through a show. And so she's in. we're working on a show right now together, but I can't watch it without her, you know? Right. So I'm not making any progress with that. Yeah, I've but you actually, of, you,
0: I mean, like. I was thinking, like, I don't know, like, when I – if Steph's gone, like, I'll be like, ooh, not only am I going to have the pint of the Ben and Jerry's, but I'm not throwing it away. It's just going to stay on the – might stay on the counter till the morning. I'm going to – you know, those socks, I'm going to be wild. They're staying on the couch tonight, buddy.
1: So it used to be a lot worse when she would go out of town for work before the baby – Was born that would happen and there would be that i would find out when she would come back yeah and there would be uh like frenzy to get everything cleaned up and taken care of yes before she opened the door and got home um and so i usually i've been like that really my entire life but for whatever reason now being a father i've actually just kind of done what i should have always done as a 38 year old male which is when I'm done with something throw it out when the baby needs changed put the clothes in the laundry keep up on the laundry and wash it like in that way I've actually been quite good so far we're so lame yeah this is like this is like like, like, yeah
0: I totally backslide I watch three or four episodes of television and I'm like yeah and I leave the ice cream carton out there was a time pony when we used to be, fun. yeah. This
1: isn't exactly hookers and blow. No, you no, know? it is
0: not. No, it is not. That we have been, we have been domesticated. We have been tamed. This is not. This is not Vegas. This is not senior year of college. No, it's
1: depressing. So um, I saw your uh, some of the things from your town hall on the Justin Fields, Caleb Williams debate. Yeah, and now we have Fields talking on the record for the first time since he left locker cleanout day so i'll start with you what was your biggest takeaway from what happened on the amon ross st brown podcast this week well first and foremost
0: that was as comfortable as i've ever seen justin fields on camera or in like in front of a microphone he was just chopping it up with his buddies and he was remarkably relaxed like I, I he was so I watched the whole thing i he was so comfortable that I actually found it disarming from how he normally is which is pretty guarded and calculated to the point where doing a little bit of armchair psychoanalysis here but that I don't think he could have possibly been lying in what he was saying he was just so relaxed and so when he says i just want it to be over i think he is telling the truth i also think he knows what's gonna happen um i think that the writings on the wall that they are moving on from him it's been so widely reported brad biggs the top beat writer for the bears for the tribune said you know it's not about caleb v justin it's about which quarterback they're going to draft you know, he said, I I'd normally like to be watching film in the offseason. He's not. Uh, Shane Waldron, the new Bears offensive coordinator, said that they've just exchanged text. So it's not like he's in the facility grinding on Shane Waldron's new offense right now. Like, it's, it's over. It's just a matter of time. And so when he said that he unfollowed the Bears and the NFL, you know, he's a smart guy. He's like, oh, why are you taking social media so seriously? He knew that that could come up, but I believe that his motivation was genuine in that he wanted to he can't get out of it, he's not going to delete the app from his phone, and he hates seeing the constant debate about what's gonna happen for his future because frankly, I'm making my living off of that debate, and I'm sick and tired of it. you know, I am ready are for you the- really yeah, man well, because because the next thing is when it starts to get interesting. What do they get for Justin? Caleb has to start doing the like public workouts, pro days, vetting like the the combine starts Tuesday. We finally are going to start to get new pieces of actual information whereas everything from locker cleanout day till now has there hasn't been anything new. Not one new thing has happened.
1: And so I'm just, I'm just ready for like the next chapters in the story. He missed me with the thing about sometimes you mess with a girl but you don't follow her on Instagram. You only do that if you're she's your side piece kind of deal or you're cheating. With with people in their young 20s now, if they're into you, they're following you on social. Okay? That whole thing, I did not like that's that was a, it was a funny moment, but I don't think right. I think he was also just kind of
0: like, especially you, EQ, like Equanime Saint Brown, like yeah. maybe maybe EQ is a little bit of a ladies' man, like I, you know, I think he was just he was busting balls with his friends. It's just very, it's very well, clear that's what that
1: whole. So the other thing about this about him just wanting it to be over, it's happened two years in a row. It's déjà vu. He had to live this again at the start of last off season before the trade got made with Carolina. He had to do he had to deal with that for 2 months. I was in Arizona at the Super Bowl and I asked Justin Fields about it. You know, so he was been he's been dealing with these kind of questions now for 2 years running. He probably also feels like he's he deserves better. You know, like yes. he's he's this is this type of conversation about him, you know, some of it has been framed I think as like the Bears giving up on him or not thinking he's good enough. You know, and and that's That's gotta, I think, uh, create a chip on his shoulder and a bitterness here. Like whether it's true or not, the perception is they think another quarterback is better than me already. And that's gotta, that's gotta piss him off and and probably will motivate him wherever he uh, ends up. So what did you think of the Atlanta answer that he gave? What did you make of that whole deal? Well,
0: Good job by the St. Brown brothers. Like they were kind of needling him a little bit uh, with it. So first of all, good job. Um, again, honest with, they probably need another receiver. Uh, you know, only downside of going there would be you get hit up by everybody that you grew up with for tickets. But I think that That place makes a lot of sense, and I think he knows it. So the guy who drafted him is there. Ryan Pace, it's his hometown, it's a dome, and they have they think that they're a quarterback away from being competitive. And with where they're picking in the first round, they probably can't draft a top guy. So I do think it checks a ton of boxes, but is their offensive coordinator going to say that Justin Fields can execute that offense? That's a huge question because it it gets these off the same McVay tree and it was very, very bumpy. So I think all of the narrative stuff, I've said that from the beginning, Atlanta makes
1: the most sense. The X's and O's thing, I think is a huge question mark. So do I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, And that's why not only Atlanta from a, schematic standpoint offensively i'm questioning that even though uh the division and the playmakers there and him going back home like those and him in a dome him in a dome
0: is a is a you know that makes him five ten percent more lethal on the ground that's that's definitely a factor
1: the faster surface you're saying that kind of deal yes Yeah. yeah um I saw Tony Pauline report that the Raiders are interested. No, they're not. I love Tony, but there's no way that's true. Luke Getze, they Agreed. want to do that again. Does either party no. want to continue that relationship? I don't no. think so either. I think Luke feels like Fields kind of got him fired. And I think that Fields feels like I didn't reach my full full potential with this guy. So why would they want to get the band back together just in Vegas? That I thought that was nonsensical when I saw that Um the for fields, I'll tell you, man, you're going to be in Indy for the combine. I don't know to what extent some of these guys, Yeah, you're making faces. I don't know to what extent some of these guys are going to like do full workouts and whatnot. I haven't researched or kept up on all the quarterbacks. I probably should for the purpose of doing the show with you. So I can kind of feel like I'm fighting a equal battle with you on this from an informational point of view, but it, If you're Atlanta and you're at eight, you're going there to find out, I think, two things. Is there a quarterback worth trading up for? Like, can we go to eight to three with the Patriots or something like that and make them an offer they can't refuse? Do we like the third quarterback in this draft that much? Do we know who the third quarterback is going to be? That kind of thing. And also the fourth quarterback. You know, we saw what Jim Harbaugh said about McCarthy. If you're Atlanta, can you get him at eight? Do you feel like even if you even if he can't get to eight, do you have to move up to six to get him? And would you prefer to do that than trade for fields? Yeah. So there's like there's a lot in play here. I heard somebody say, and you might have gotten the same thing, that they think the fields trade will get done next week. Do you agree with that? So would you Bre- bet on that? Would you bank on that? So Breer put it out there um that that,
0: that they were gonna try to, you know, jump the market on it they should because you and I keep talking about it and I keep saying it on the show it's it's bad business to bet against Glazer and Schefter and Rappaport who all say there's going to be a robust market for Justin Fields but show me the team Vegas has Getze, Atlanta maybe that makes sense like we talked about but there is a question mark on scheme fit Pittsburgh, if you trust the local reporting and you're there, they're not interested. Denver doesn't have a second-round pick. Um, I I, I think a lot of this has been Ryan Poles leaking to those guys how many great offers he's getting to try to make someone actually jump up and make him a great
1: offer. I'm going to double down on what I said with you on this podcast last week, and it got aggregated some places, that the only way the Steelers are going to get involved here is if the price absolutely plummets. And I think that I think that everybody's been made aware of that. I don't think that everyone's been clued in. When I say everyone, I don't mean the media. I mean people within that building from what I've heard. I don't think that they've used Fields' name specifically. But I think that there is an understanding that if somebody who's available can be had and it's looked at as a super good deal. A discount, a, a it comes with at a price you can't say no to. I think in that situation, the Steelers could get involved. But Danny, that's the only way. the the twentieth pick thing that you brought up last week, i I had somebody laugh at that. They thought it was hysterical. there's they were like, no way would that ever happen. Um, I don't think a second round pick would even happen actually. I think that would even be considered too much. that there was a trade package floated out there by ESPN the response I got, I think it was second and fourth, was like, yeah, that isn't happening either. So they're only... Well, hey,
0: listen, Bears fans are going to be apoplectic if, if they don't well, get No, it. no, it might not. Hold
1: on. It might happen with another team. But I'm telling you with the Steelers, from what I've heard, the only way they would get involved is if it got to a point where he came at such a low price where they could, they could justify having Fields and Pickett on the same team and letting the best man win. Now, you're probably hearing that thinking, well, of course, Justin Fields would just beat him out. It wouldn't even be a competition. He would just go in as the quarterback. But from the from the highest people in their organization, their opinion on Pickett is that they would still like to see him as their starting quarterback this year, unless the acquisition price for someone as good or better is Next to nothing. So. Okay.
0: Well, then that cross the Steelers off then, man. Uh, I do think that they're going to move fast. I do think it'll be before March 13th, the start of the league year. Um, I think we will know, uh, you know, at the combine last year, it was obvious that the Bears were shopping the number one pick. I think at the combine this year, the story is going to be that it's obvious they're shopping Justin Fields. So, whether or not a deal actually happens at the Combine or not, probably I'd bet against it. But there will be some sort of Peter King, Monday morning quarterback story about how Ryan Poles met with a general manager in a home in a hotel room in Indianapolis and locked down this deal. More First and Pod after this. Welcome back to First and Pod. Give us a five-star review. Tweet it to us. We'll retweet it. He's at the Pony Express. I'm at Danny Parkins. I'm putting my
1: finger up in the air because I just want to throw in one more thing on the fields conversation you okay. know who the you know who the bears miss i think well maybe they don't miss him because of what you're saying the what the ask is what they're hoping to get for fields but i honestly think if belichick was still in new england and i know what happened in that draft a few years ago but i think he i think he likes the idea of having a more mobile quarterback after what happened with mac jones and he's always on the lookout for rebound players at a bargain. And like, I, you know what I'm in, like not having to use the third round, the, th- the third overall pick on a player, maybe convincing a team to trade up and get that pick and getting extra picks and then getting a quarterback for cheaper than that. Like he just strikes me when he was running an organization that he would be very much interested in doing something like that Cause he thought, well, I can, we can get fields here. I can coach him. I can get the best out of him, And I'm going to get like three or four extra picks too. Because the team's going to move up to three and think, well, we, yeah. Jaden Daniels or Drake may is worth it. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. No, I, listen, absolutely. And by the way, just what just happened is a, a reason why the bears are the top story in the off season. We did 15 minutes of it off the top, top of the podcast came back after the break. And you're like, I got more to say about it. Trust yeah. me. It's Four hours a day, every day for me, man. It's it's an un- two years in a row. Bears, you're not talking the about the
1: White Sox maybe moving to Nashville and uh, bilking the local uh, people That's there, part and, of also, it. and also That's, the yeah. and also the Bulls uh, revenge tour with Luke Longley and Scottie Pippen doing their own. Uh, yep, and
0: waiting for Cody Bellinger to <laughs> to blink in negotiations. Uh Antonio Pierce. Speaking of the 90s Bulls, he's quoting the Jordan rules and says they've got the Mahomes rules. They sacked him four times. They hit him ten times. Andy Reid texted Antonio Pierce, thank you for kicking their ass and knocking some complacency out of him. What do you make of the rules? I think this is
1: one of the I think this is one of the dumbest like um publicity. Not publicity might be the wrong word, but like it just seems to me like Antonio Pierce, who is Congratulations for him. He gets the interim tag taken off. He won them over. And now he has this job And it. This is what it reminds me of. It just struck me as very Rex Ryan gloating about like beating Bill Belichick in a regular season game. Now he ended up doing it in the playoffs, but just like taking a victory lap for something that in the grand scheme of things really doesn't matter. Okay. You're the last team to beat them in the regular season. The Steelers were the last team to beat the 2000 Ravens before they went on their run. Who gives a bleep? It doesn't matter. Um, and then the other thing I think just in today's NFL, this the way that refs are wired and the league is structured, like they're not going to let them get away with this again because now they're bragging about it. Like, I think it's great from a, it's from, from what we do. It's fantastic that here is a team that for the most part is usually not that good. Here is the best team in the the dynastic team in the NFL. This is an old traditional rivalry. And now there's more juice to these two teams playing each other. Crosby doesn't like Mahomes. They get into it with each other. Now Pierce is acting like they've got this kryptonite. They've got this system or formula or blueprint that beats Mahomes. That's fun. That's all fine and dandy. But from like an actual practical uh, way of looking at it, like how is this going to help us moving forward? It's not. You did it one time and i don't think the league's going to let him get away with doing it again well
0: you know you said it was like rex ryan and it's like the. it's also like the raiders
1: yes a, the, that's you a know, good point it is very raiders <laughs> this is very raiders
0: and it's the raiders trying to be the raiders that's and maybe that's how pierce got the job danny well, you ever that, think about what that I, that that's that's kind of where i'm where i'm going because chiefs raiders is a rival rivalry in the same way that the nail is the rival of the hammer like it's not really competitive do you remember a few years ago 2020 when the Raiders beat the Chiefs and they did the victory lap at Arrowhead in the buses and that pissed the Chiefs off and then they went on a streak of beating them like six straight times after that you know so it was they get one win against the big bad Chiefs and they do something ridiculous. We have the Mahomes rules. We're going to take a victory lap around the stadium. And then come January, they're in Cabo and the Chiefs are hosting AFC Championship games or winning Super Bowls and adding to the trophy case of all of their future first ballot Hall of Famers. So uh, Antonio Pierce seems like the definition of a player's coach. The players advocating advocated for him to get the job. Management listened to the players. He replaced a very unpopular coach in McDaniels. He got maximum buy-in. They clearly played harder for him. All of those buttons to push and levers to pull, that's all great, but it runs out. You can't do it for three years, five years, 15 years. At some point, you've got to have substance behind your game. And I'm not saying that he doesn't, but this is more sizzle than it is steak. And I just, I have, I don't think it will have any impact whatsoever on Chiefs Raiders next year. I really don't. It'll be talked about. It'll be, you know, but but then they'll play the game and the Chiefs will win 31 to 14. And some people will laugh about it or tweet about it or Mahomes rules, hashtag,
1: whatever. But ultimately, one team is good and one team is not. I also don't think there's any evidence of this actually working. You know, I don't actually think that this is an effective strategy against Mahomes. I'm sure Spencer could probably find it or look it up for us. Uh, uh, like, I'm, I'm I'm, guessing one of the football reference uh, searches would find this. Like, is there actually any correlation between number of times Mahomes is hit in a game and the Chiefs' record in those games? Like, if he's hit more than eight times in a game, what's the Chiefs' record in those situations? You know, like, obviously, for most everybody, you say, oh, you get pressure on the quarterback, you hit him enough, you're going to beat him. But Mahomes is just such a cheat code and exception to every rule. He gets down double digits, and the Chiefs' record in those games are like, they win 65% of those games. He's got a winning record in
0: games in which he trailed by double digits. It's great. It's just
1: absurd. And (laughs) uh, I don't, like, you, my my co-host, Chris Muller, I thought, actually made a very good point about this. He said that, with Brady, you knew that if you got pressure up the middle on him, you could beat him because he had nowhere to go. He was not a good enough athlete where if the pressure came straight at him quickly, he was just going to have to take the sack or get rid of the ball and just whatever. Like there was no plan B or thing, way to work around that. That's not the case with Mahomes. Like he is, he is such a good, he is an underrated athlete. He's, he is savvy around the pocket. He can get out of there and make plays with his legs. Like I have yet to, I'm sorry. I've yet to really see something that other than his wide receivers dropping the ball a lot, his offensive linemen committing penalties, them kind of just going through the motions. I've yet to see anything from him specifically that makes me think that there's a strategy that if you can get there, it will work against him time after time.
0: Completely agree. Let's get into the franchise tag options. Okay. So the window is open. Do
1: you want to do the obvious ones? Well, so do you want me to pull up the numbers where we know how much each guy is getting and whether or not it makes sense for the team so I can get the number and and you want to get the player. Do you want to do it that way? Sure. I mean, I I I have or, some I have some players, but go on. Like So you can so wait, so you cuz I have the projected tag for each position.
0: Okay. But I mean, I think that we can also do it. That 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 that's fine, but like for example, the Jaguars will tag Josh Allen. That will happen. They might then sign him to a contract extension off of it, but there's not a scenario in the world where the tag window comes and goes and they don't put it on that on Josh Allen and they just let him become a free agent. Obviously he's going to get tagged or signed to an extension. Okay. Correct. Yep. Like, like, let's, let's, let's cross the, let's cross the easy ones. But I mean, he's homegrown player coming off the best year of his career premium position, young in his prime. There's no scenario in which Josh Allen doesn't get franchise
1: tagged. You Would agree? you put T Higgins in that category? Uh, Slam dunk. Um, absolute. hundred percent. He's at least getting tagged.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But can I, yeah, I mean, okay. But like Brian Burns is more of a certainty with Carolina. There's, they, they Same thing. Back. Edge rusher. Okay. Well, like they 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 turn they turn down an offer of multiple first round picks for him. Yeah. They're not letting him go. He's gonna get tagged. Um, Jalen Johnson going to get tagged. Hundred percent. Bears like,
1: corner. Bears 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 corner. Now they eighteen point eight million is the corner tag.
0: Yeah. They they've got the third most cap space of any team in the NFL. Ryan Poles is on the record saying he's not going anywhere. Jalen wants to be paid as the highest cornerback in the NFL, which means he wants more than 70 million guaranteed, like Denzel Ward got, or more than 22 million a year, which is what Jair Alexander got average annual value. I think that they're going to tag him and say, We want to work through, work towards an extension with Jalen Johnson. And maybe they get him there, maybe they don't. But, but, because again, like the player doesn't have to accept the tag and sign it, the team just has to, Offer it to not allow the guy to hit free agency. So like young, homegrown in their prime, premium positions, they just don't hit free agency. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't happen. That's why the tag is so team friendly. So like, so yeah, and I mean, I, you could probably, I mean. I really can't see
1: T Higgins hitting the open market. So that's a $20 million tag number on him.
0: Like the only thing that I could see with T Higgins that's different than the three guys that we just talked about is I could see them maybe trading him. Like, If they think that that makes their cap allocation like too top heavy or too redundant. So,
1: so, so what would happen? You tag him, tag and trade. He accepts it and then you trade him from there.
0: Yeah. And then the new team, in theory, would, would they like, they would allow his agent to negotiate an extension. I
1: think that's the only way he would sign the tag. Oh, yeah. 100%. You'd have to have uh, a handshake deal on a long-term extension, I think, for that to happen. They'd
0: say, "I don't know who his agent is, but say it's Drew Rosenhaus." Okay, Drew Rosenhaus. Um, Arizona wants to trade for you, and they're prepared to pay you, you know, twenty-two million a year for yeah. four years. Let's work out a trade. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, but yeah. I, so T. Higgins,
1: yes. Michael Pittman Jr. That one's tougher for me they they can't afford I to think he I think he'd get I think he'd get 20 million dollars a year on the open market so I think that so number young, you're probably right I think that number's about right I mean I'm in Pittsburgh Deontay Johnson got 18 million dollars a year that's that's also around what Christian Kirk got I think he's got the potential to be better than that um he gets to free agency a year earlier cuz he's a second round pick and not a first round pick um so he's a year younger. Yeah, I think he'll get it. I don't think it's a hundred percent a slam dunk, but I think it's close. One more I've got another guy for you. Then I want to go into a couple of team decisions where they have multiple guys. Um, what do you think of Mattabuke in Baltimore?
0: Yeah, he I mean, he's awesome. Uh, he had a great 20 point
1: one 20.9 million. So 21 million dollars is the defense to tackle franchise tag. So I've been talking about him a little bit on the show.
0: To me, he might be the best player that actually hits free agency because they got to pay Patrick Queen, and they've got Clown. And I'd rather come- have
1: Matt Abuka. You already have. You already have uh, Roquan. Roquan Smith. Why do you need I another know. inside linebacker?
0: Well, it depends. It depends. It depends what they prioritize. Because I mean, cl- Clowny too. Um, like they, they've got. Now, obviously, Clowney's not going to get as big of a deal as Madibuke, but they—they—they yeah. they've, they've Clowney's got- been a
1: free agent every year for the last five seasons and always waits until July to sign. Like he's not—he's yeah. not been someone that's been widely in demand. Quinn Williams got twenty-four million dollars a year, uh, by the way, by the from the Jets last off season. This guy had sacks in eleven straight games. Uh, so, I would want to be strong up the middle at every level. So if you've BK, then you have uh Roquan then you've got Kyle Hamilton on the back end. That's how I would want to build my defense. Yeah. If I'm Baltimore. Now I know they got to start to make harder decisions because Lamar's contract extension is going to kick in here but
0: Exactly. Uh, they they, didn- they just they just have a tricky cap situation.
1: But it does seem like
0: Listen, he's he's a great player, and this is what again. It's why the franchise tag exists, but it's very it's very very expensive, and you would think they would want to sign him to a long term deal so that they could structure the cap a little bit better. Um, do you do think you Christian? See... Wil- do you think Christian Wilkins gets it? Uh, I I have, two, I have two more defensive players for you: Christian Wilkins and Antoine Winfield Jr.
1: in Tampa. Okay, so. Let me do Wilkins here first. Uh nine and a half sacks. They're fifty-one million dollars over the cap. No, I don't think he's gonna get it. I think they're gonna try to work something out long term before free agency. If they don't, I think he goes I think he goes in. Well, and don't you think he's gonna want to beat Dexter Lawrence's deal? Why? Because they're both Clemson guys?
0: Yeah, and I mean, yes. But like <laughs> He's not better, I don't think. In my opinion, than I, Lawrence, I, I I know, but he's but he's he's hitting the market a year later. Price of the brick goes up every single year. We see it all the time. The best, the the highest paid player at positions are not necessarily the best. It's the guy who signs the deal the most recently.
1: Yeah, and he's coming off a big year, I, a huge
0: year. Yeah, he's really good against the run, and this and
1: he added the pass rush this year. He's very good. A lot of this for me is gut instinct with these guys. My gut instinct on him is no, he won't get it. Then maybe
0: he's the best player to hit free agency.
1: In both running backs, you say no to Jacobs won't get it again. Barkley and won't safe, get it. And sa- yeah, I don't think so. And but Win- Winfield shouldn't. is Winfield's one of the best safeties in the well, game. Okay, so the Winfield thing is interesting, and I, I I was this I thought this is actually I think the lead story on the on the tags. They've got three guys who you could conceivably tag. Evans, Winfield, Baker. Any one of those three guys. All the reporting out of Tampa is that they're going to tag Winfield. That he's going to be the guy that gets it. So they make sure the safety tag is lower than the other two. So they lock him in. And then they just hope that they get deals done with the other two guys. Baker's all but said when he did his Super Bowl media tour, he talked about how apparently he got picked up on, I think a hot mic saying that it was going to get done on a show. I don't know if you saw that. He was, did not think that was going to make it out there. I think it was a private conversation he was having with Gronk. Um, and then Evans, it, does he just go back to Tampa because he's always played there and he's got a relationship with Baker? I mean, I don't, I I, I feel like, I feel like there's a chance, a small chance that both of those guys go into free agency and Mayfield going into free agency would be fascinating to me. I would love to see that if I were him, like if you're him, by the way, what incentive do you have to sign a deal before free agency starts?
0: Well, I mean, none other than they can't, they can't, they can only agree to it in principle. Like, uh,
1: he, I would want to see what else is out there is what I'm saying to you. That's I understand what I'm telling I mean, you.
0: how many teams in theory, let's just do it quickly. How many teams in theory
1: need a starting quarterback? Okay. So I've got two teams for you right now that are, are I not think- Tampa. Yes, who I think if Mayfield does not get franchise tagged, and again, it sounds like Rick Stroud, who's covered the Bucks forever, has all but said that. If yeah. He doesn't think Mayfield is going to get tagged. There are two teams who, if I'm Baker, now that Canales is in Carolina and there's a new offensive coordinator coming in there, I think I would prefer to play, as long as the money was market value, I would prefer to play for Minnesota and Atlanta. Zach Robinson, by the way, is the guy. I don't know if you knew this. When Mayfield got traded to L or got, not didn't get traded when he got cut and ended up in LA. Robinson's job. He had one job that week. Cause he was not the offensive coordinator yet. It was just to get him ready for that game on a short week. So those two guys have a very close relationship. Now he's the Falcons offensive coordinator. Raheem Morris was in LA then too. I think. I don't know. If, I don't think Kevin o, Kevin O'Connell was not in LA, but he had worked for Sean McVay, so he's off that same coaching tree too. Why wouldn't if you're Baker Jefferson's in Minnesota too? Atlanta's got all those weapons. I think I might prefer that, Danny. He's going to have to he's going to have to learn a new system either way if he stays in Tampa.
0: Yeah, but not. But the idea would be not new teammates and and all of that stuff, but. The question is, which path is the better path to winning? O'Connell's a great coach, and Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in football.
1: If you're Minnesota, would you rather pay Kirk Cousins two years, $90 million guaranteed, or let's say you go with Baker Mayfield and it's three years, $105 million or $100 million, somewhere in that ballpark? Because I think – do you think Baker could get that? Three years, $100 million? I think he's going to get, like, better than what Geno got from Atlanta. You mean Geno got from Seattle? That's, that's Seattle. Yeah, excuse me. Excuse me. Spencer, um, give me the number on that contract for him, for Geno Smith, when you get a second here.
0: Because Geno Gino basically
1: – so they just had to do the – they owed him some money, right? There wasn't like a 12 they converted
0: million. the ten million dollar roster bonus, and so they had to pick up and guarantee like twelve million for this year. So it's like technically one year twelve and a half million. So he got three for seventy five, with twenty seven guaranteed. at signing
1: forty million guaranteed. Uh, maybe I'm off my rocker here, but I think Baker's going to get more than that, and I think he's going to get multiple years. But and, even that's, that is what Geno
0: got. Geno got a three-year deal, $40 million guaranteed that basically locked him into two years. Like it was, you know, they had to do just like a contract machination to pick it up for this year. So it was last year and this year.
1: I think Mayfield so, makes – I think if I'm Minnesota, I'm trying to I'm, – I'm letting his agent know we're interested. We'd rather have him for three years than have Kirk Cousins for two at 37 years old or whatever he is. Um.
0: So I think that it's most
1: the- likely that Winfield gets the tag, Baker goes back to Tampa, and Mike And where's Evans? Mike Evans? Leaving. Well, then, if you're Baker, why do you want to go back there? What's appealing about the situation? Just because you had good fortune there and you played well there last year? I mean, the idea of them being
0: able to negotiate first, make him a huge offer, and him finding, like, finding a home, having a home base. not moving, Not changing teams every single year.
1: I, I it, see it's interesting because if this were baseball or, or basketball, he wouldn't just negotiate with the Buccaneers and take their best offer. He'd right. go into free agency and see what else is out there. And I don't understand why more guys don't want to do that, especially quarterbacks. Now the top, top guys who can just basically say, this is what Joe Burrow got. Give me more Justin Herbert. All right. That doesn't make sense. But in, in, ba- in Baker's case, when there's potential suitors, who I think match like our matches because of the history and what they want out of quarterback and what their offenses have to offer. That's what I think he should do. Evans is going to be an interesting uh, study in free agency, Danny, because he's old, but he's always productive. So how he's many years? So, he's been so loyal to Tampa. Like, well, he, I, he had reason to want to be when Brady was there. I mean, that was not like a situation that you would want to get out of. Before that, Jameis turned the ball over a ton, but they threw it all the time and he put up monster numbers. So it's always been for the most part, I think a place where a wide receiver would want to be, you know, I guess coming, coming
0: into the, coming into this year was the year where I thought you could have made the argument for him to leave, but, or demand a trade or something like that. Oh, the but. last one is Kansas city Snead and Jones. The Jones one isn't like the Jones franchise tag like thirty-something million dollars because of how it worked out. Yes. So I forget I forget the specifics of that. I apologize. Um but you can't lose Sneed.
1: You can't. Both premium positions. Like you can lose that. Jones? No, no, you no, but it's more than 32 million for Jones. You can't I'm do three. that. You yeah. can't do that. I don't I don't think you
0: can, but you but like obviously Jones is a Hall of Famer. But Sneed is younger. And I just think if you lose him, like he's a part of the like the next like core of players for three or four years. For hopefully the windows open as long as Mahomes is there. But how many more dominant years does Jones have? One or two? Sneed, in theory, has more than that. So I just... I Even though Jones matters much more to the dynasty and the era, I don't think you can get as sentimental with him. They'll, they're going to probably try to kick the can down the road and do fuzzy salary cap math for the three-peat. Like, I, I expect both of them to be back, one way or the other. But if you had to lose one... I would lose Jones over Snead, personally. One more quick story, first and pod after this. Back in on first and pod. How come you hate, why are you a hater
1: on the Matthew Slater retirement celebration? Because the guy, I think, caught one ball in his entire NFL career. He ran down punts, and he was also involved in what has become an obsolete play. In the NFL, kickoffs, and yet he was canonized like this all-time great once-in-a-lifetime player was hanging up his cleats? Come on. Dude. At no point was Matthew Slater one of the 40 best players on the Patriots roster. So... The
0: goodbye message from Matthew Slater was probably about 10,000
1: words single-spaced. It was a little long. I I agree with you there. And but then, then right afterwards, an the... all-time great, one of the best to ever do it is walking away. No. Well, he's not. hold on a second. Objectively,
0: no special teamer has ever made the Pro Bowl more times than him. He's a 10-time special teams Pro Bowler and his dad was the hall of famer Jackie Slater and Bill Belichick who's tough to get praise from released one of like the most glowing statements ever that i've ever heard from he he, he basically talked about Matthew
1: Slater like he was Tom Brady yeah that's so what i'm this is what i'm speaking out against
0: but what i'm saying is is like the so the coverage of it is this guy is the most decorated special teams player of all time. He's got three Super Bowls, and Bill Belichick loves him. And I don't know if you've noticed, it's February 22nd.
1: So these are the types of things that are going to get a little bit of coverage. Well, I just think the way, and your guy is one of them, Devin Hester, these players should not be up for uh, enshrinement in Canton. They're not even close to Hall of Famers. By that same insane logic, a guy that played in Chicago but on the in baseball, by that way of looking at it, Lenny Harris should be in the Hall of Fame because he's the greatest pinch hitter in baseball history. He's the greatest. Dude, your, your Hester argument is terrible. No, it's not. If you Dude, weren't in Chicago, he, you would not be advocating him for the Hall of Fame. And you know that. He
0: just got into the Hall of Fame by a bunch of people who are not in Chicago.
1: Yeah, and they're wrong.
0: Okay. But I'm saying you would he's agree the with that. Be- he's the best kickoff returner ever. And the records will never be broken because of what what happens to the kick
1: return. The kick return, the the return part of the game is not important enough where the person who does it best gets into the same room as Tom Brady, Lawrence Taylor, and John Elway. They just, I'm sorry, no.
0: But But centers can, guards can,
1: inside linebackers can? Yes, way more important than a guy returning a punt five times a game. Yeah. Center's playing every down. One guy's scoring more touchdowns. He's scoring one to two touchdowns a year, and the other guy's scoring zero, so that justifies it. There are running backs on that same Chicago team. Thomas Jones was scoring more touchdowns per year than Devin Hester, so is he now more deserving of the Hall of Fame? because
0: of no, that because, but relative to the position in terms of the production made and it's a dude, part of it is about impact on the game. That's one of the criteria. Imp, like he made an impact on the sport. He is the best to ever do it at that position.
1: Well, then you must be an advocate for Matthew Slater going into the hall of fame because he's the best guy to run down, run after punts and run after kicks in the entire history of the sport. Well, he's been to a lot of Pro Bowls.
0: Who cares about Pro? Should- he's the Patriots all time. I didn't say anything about the Hall of Fame. Don't create a straw man here. I didn't put Matthew Slater into the Hall of Fame. Special teams tackles uh, you, are not the same what as What I'm doing teams here is uh,
1: I'm using the Matthew Slater uh, memorials and memories and That's everything else to now attack you about your Devin Hester uh, take. Dude, what I'm you doing. want to put
0: Heinz Ward in the Hall of Fame because
1: of his blocking. No, that's just one part of who he was as a player. He also had a thousand catches and was a Super Bowl MVP. You want to talk about impact? People say, "Oh, Devin Hester. He started a Super Bowl that they got blown out in by returning a kickoff for a touchdown." And Tony was blown said, out by more. Yeah, did they cover? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, one team had Rex Grossman. The other team had Peyton Manning. Okay. Peyton Manning, because of the rain, there was not very effective in that game. And Prince, I still think, gave the best halftime performance yes. in the history of the super bowl that yeah, night that. that is
0: definitely the legacy of that game I right, thank you to spencer ray our producer thanks for hanging out with us do us a favor tell a friend it's first in pod peace